My name is Christian. And I'm Rob. And this is Faith 168. There are 168 hours in every week. And in those 168 hours, we need Jesus to make it through. So join us every week as we share devotions, talk about standing boldly in the Word of God, and answer tough questions submitted by you, our listeners. Welcome Welcome to to Faith 168. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you are listening to this, I want to thank you for joining us here at Faith 168. My name is Christian. I am one of your hosts. We are here today with our co-host, Brother Rob. How are you doing this uh, evening for us? Yeah, absolutely. Doing well. Doing well. And and I have a a special announcement. We have a special guest with us tonight, uh, and that is Brother Brandon Bramlett. Uh, he is a pastor and uh, a good friend. He is also a fellow co-laborer in the ministry uh, that we do together at a summer camp. And I'm excited to have him with us on here for this uh, uh, this special podcast. We're, we're doing things a little different today. Last week we did a Bible study. This week we're doing uh, more of a, a current events and, and a way that we can live faithfully 168 hours uh, in the realm of politics. And so that's going to be a, a fun episode for us. Uh, but Brother Brandon, you're also a uh, an author. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your book and introduce yourself for us? Sure. As Robbie said, I'm Brandon Bramlett. I pastor at Locust Grove Baptist Church in Murray, Kentucky. It is good to be on the podcast. And I really believe in the purpose of this podcast that our Lord Jesus Christ is worthy of our devotion and commitment Amen. every hour of the week. And I'm glad that this podcast serves to that purpose. And yes, I became a published author last year, I believe it was. Published the book titled Bible Gleanings, 100 Devotions Gathered from Scripture. It is a daily devotional that, of course, contains 100 devotions that are taken from my weekend newspaper columns that I write for the Murray Ledger and Times which is our local newspaper. I would encourage you, if you want to grow deeper in your faith and your walk with the Lord, to find that book on Amazon to guide you in your daily devotions. All right. Well, that's great. And I want to thank you, Brother Brandon, for being here with us. For those listening today, uh, get used to hearing Brother Brandon's name. He is one of our good friends that uh, we correspond with quite often. And uh, we actually have a group chat so that we converse through and uplift each other through and uh, talk about different things going on in the world and in the church today. But we're going to go ahead and jump into this podcast and talk about faith and politics. And that's a very hot topic, especially the past several years. Uh, we've we've seen a lot of uh, political pushing against faith in politics, and even a lot of political pushing for faith in politics. So it seems like one of those things uh, that people have very strong opinions on, whichever side of the aisle that they sit. And so today we're going to discuss how should we uh, look at faith in politics? Is there a way to mix it together? Is there a way to 
be very politically opinionated, uh, yet remain faithful? Uh, some of these questions that people quite often ask or think about during these times. So I'm just going to start out with a question and I'll ask each of our uh, people on the podcast today, starting with Brother Rob, if they would answer it to the best of their ability. So Brother Rob, Brother Brandon, are y'all ready for this? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. And the way we set this up, I sent them these questions beforehand. I told them not to share their opinions with each other and that we were just going to have a conversation about it right here and right now and see what happens. So the first question, uh, let's start with you, Brother Rob. What is your stance concerning politics in the pulpit? All right. So this uh, is going to take me just a minute to get to my answer. But before I get to my answer, I, I want to address another issue. Uh, and the first issue that we must understand or, or we must address is the fact of, of moral law. So as pastors, we are, are called by God to preach the full counsel of the Word of God. And the full counsel of the Word of God includes God's moral law. Uh, moral law has been around uh, really since uh, Adam and Eve. We saw that uh, Cain killed Abel, right? And that was obviously bad. Um, he knew better than to do it. He was ashamed about doing it, and he lied when God asked him about it. Uh, and so it's in our nature, it's in our being that we know uh, moral law, but then God actually gave us his His perfect moral law um, when he was talking with Moses on Mount Sinai. Uh, and so Today, we have a problem with politics in the pulpit uh, because politics have overtaken the moral law. And so the right has one idea on the moral law, the left has one idea on the moral law, and there's many variations in between. However, as pastors and as preachers, as God's faithful servants, we are to, to give God's idea of his own moral law. Uh, and so if I preach on an issue, um, then I might touch politics, but it's not because I'm touching politics, but it's politics are touching me. Um, and so most people say we shouldn't bring politics into the pulpit. The problem is that people have brought the pulpit into politics. Um, right. And so if you do that, then that gives me the freedom to bring your politics into my pulpit. But so I, I want to go from there. So first we start with this moral law giver. And so we talk about moral law. There is a moral law giver. We know that uh, moral law giver to be Yahweh. He is the uh, the God of the Old Testament. He is the God um, uh, who is the triune God who come down um, uh, as Jesus Christ, as the person of Jesus Christ, in whom the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelt, the one who perfectly uh, ref uh, re uh, reflected the the character and the essence of who God was, so much so uh, that Jesus would say to uh, the disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so uh, we know God, and we know him more specifically in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ. He is the moral law giver. He gave us a moral law. This includes things like do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. Uh, it goes even uh, deeper. We're not to uh, commit adultery. We're, we're not to have other gods before him. These are all moral 
laws. And the moral laws can be broken down into two categories, uh, probably more than that, but, but definitely two categories, and that's the laws that deal with God and then the laws that deal with man. Now, politics don't usually, especially uh, we're blessed to live in a free society that it was founded on the, the blessing of um, the, the freedom of religion. We're allowed to, to choose who we serve and what we serve and what, what God we hold. Um, and so we don't legislate on, on the, the moral law of, of dealing with God, but we do legislate on the dealings of, of man, right? And so if I, I commit uh, murder, I'm going to get in trouble legally with our government uh, because our government has weighed in and said God's moral law is good and we should not murder each other. Uh, and so, um, so there is the moral law that deals with God and the moral law that deals with man. And then there's individuals. And so we as individuals can decide whether we choose to follow God as the moral lawgiver or not. We can live by the moral law or we don't have to. Uh, but God has set up into place something that protects that moral law, and that is government. Uh, you can see that in, in 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to start reading here in verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against your soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when uh, they slander you as evildoers, that you will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. Submit to every human authority because the Lord, uh, uh, because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors uh, as those who are sent by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you, uh, that your silence, um, I'm sorry, for it is God's will that you silence the ignorant and foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone, love the brothers and sisters, feel God, uh, fear God, and honor the emperor. And so we're called to, to fear God. We're called to honor the government. But what is the government's job? The government's job is to do what is right by the moral lawgiver in dealing with individuals. Now, what's going on with in our country and what has gone on throughout human history is that instead of it being moral lawgiver, moral law, individuals, and then government, what our government tries to say is that the government is the highest man on the totem pole, and then down from it is the moral law. So the government is in charge of moral law. And so if the government says that, uh, for example, this is a hot topic that will no doubt come up, uh, homosexuality. Is marriage confined to one man and one woman, or uh, can it be redefined into uh, one man with another man or a, a woman with another woman? Is, uh, can we have one man and, and two women? Um, the, the government is, is making laws based on these things. And so what they're saying is that they are the moral lawgiver and they're in charge of the moral law. Uh, and then it goes to the individuals, um, which is frankly not how the country was founded. Our, our our constitution, our declarations uh, are, are filled with words like we the people uh, to form a more perfect union. So who is in charge of the government? It's supposed to be the people, uh, but oftentimes it's the other way around. And we are not a full uh, democracy. We are a republic. 
but but nonetheless, that's a different topic for a different day. Uh, but so the government thinks they're the moral lawgivers. So then they give the moral laws to individuals. And then out there in left field is this non-sovereign God. But see, that's that's just not true. There is a sovereign God. He is the moral lawgiver. The moral law is innate in every single human being. Um, God has made us individuals and given us the freedom to choose to follow him or not. Uh, without the draw of the Holy Spirit, we believe that none of us will choose to follow God. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, if we choose to do things that are, are against his moral law, he's placed government in place um, to, to pronounce judgment. Uh, and so the government has lost its way and ha has decided to become something that it was never intended to be. And so because they want to be the, the moral law giver, um, they bring politics into my pulpit as I exegete the word of God as it should be. And I harmonize the word of God as it should be. I'm not going to endorse a candidate. I'm not going to endorse a party. My goal as a preacher of the gospel is to preach the full counsel of God to Democrats and Republicans. Uh, I heard it said once that we're not to be of the agenda of the donkey or the elephant. We're to be of the agenda of the lamb. Um, and if that steps on the donkey's toes, okay. If it steps on the elephant's toes, okay. Uh, we're to be loyal to, um, to the lamb. And if that means that I preach po uh, politics from my pulpit, uh, it's just because I'm preaching the full counsel of the word of God. And so uh, I would not endorse, I would not recommend a pastor endorse. However, uh, we are to uh, preach the full counsel of the word of God. Okay. All right. Well, that's a, a great explanation, I believe. Uh, and Brother Brandon, I'm going to ask you the same question. What is your stance concerning politics in the pulpit? Well, I have to say, Robbie, you put that really well and pretty well took the words out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> so politics... Maybe we shouldn't let him go first anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, did very good. So politics, of course, uh, which... Although it's viewed as sort of a, a dirty word today, it simply relates to how we think our government ought to operate for the well-being of our nation. Yeah. That's really all politics boils down to. Yeah. And when it comes to the Christian's responsibility and relationship to politics, I think it's boiled down to this, that a Christian should definitely understand what the scripture says about government in order to determine what their politics are. Again, if it's true that politics is simply how we think our government ought to work, then we need to know how our government ought to work according to the Lord God. Yes. And Robbie mentioned 1 Peter 2, which is an excellent summary of the government's God-ordained responsibility. Namely, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Mm -hmm. The government's responsibility is to quell evil and immorality for the well-being of a society. You can look down throughout history and see over and over that any society in which immorality ran loose ultimately headed down the wrong path towards demise. And so the government is there to promote well-being and to promote good and one of the ways in which they do that is by punishing evil enacting laws that prohibit evil 
and so on. That's their responsibility. And therefore, we as believers ought to be guided uh, by that understanding, and we ought to ask this question. How can we best ensure that our government fulfills their God-given obligation? If they are supposed to reward the righteous and punish the wicked through their laws, through their exertions, how can we make sure that they do that? Well, obviously it's different for every nation because every nation has a different political system. For us, as Robbie alluded to, we are a democratic republic, neither a republic nor a democracy, but a democratic republic in which we can vote for representatives who make laws and enact them. And that really is a special grace to us. There's not many nations that operate in precisely the same way. And this, of course, is completely due to the uh, founding fathers and the drafting of the Constitution, which was based on biblical principles, uh, basic good things, basic good moral truths. And so for us, it goes back to uh, the practice of voting and speaking up and making our voice heard and sending the right representatives to Washington in order to fulfill the government's God-given obligation. And so this is going to vary, of course, based on what the what every political party believes. If there is one that believes in righteousness and well-being, then obviously we should vote in accordance with that. And conversely, if there is a political party that doesn't promote righteousness or the good of society, then we should vote against that. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of just a little a breakdown for us uh, for how we ought to relate to politics. Well, I'll answer the question, and I think it kind of goes into both of y'all's answers about the same. Uh, I'm against politics in the pulpit, and I'm not against politics in the pulpit. Like Robbie said, uh, I'm against endorsing worldly politics in the pulpit or worldly politicians, but I'm not against encouraging Christians to stand strong in the truth of Scripture. And when we stand strong in the truth of Scripture, I believe that often causes us to have strong stances on political policies and platforms. Should we as Christians be concerned about politics? Certainly. Uh, Should we vote? Uh, I think as uh, Brother Brandon was just talking about, yes, we should most certainly vote. We should vote concerning our faith and our values in Christ. Should we fret when we think that the wrong person got the job? I don't think so. Uh, I remember this time in Scripture when Jesus was tested on a very political matter. Uh, in Mark chapter 12, verse 13 through 17, It says, then they sent some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to Jesus to trap him in his words. And when they came, they said to him, teacher, we know you are truthful and don't care what anyone thinks, nor do you show partiality, but teach the way of God truthfully. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why are you testing me? Bring me a denarius to look at. They brought a coin. Whose image 
an inscription is this? He asked them. Caesar's, they replied. Jesus told them, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they were utterly amazed at him. So if there's one way to divide people, I believe it is through politics. The Pharisees and the Herodians uh, feared Jesus because many at this point believed that Jesus was the Messiah, whether they believed that in a spiritual sense or even a political sense at this point. But what better way to run a smear campaign against Jesus than to ask him a question on policy, namely taxes, especially concerning the idea that the Jews were being taxed drastically by these Roman oppressors, which infuriated many of them. But Jesus's response seems to separate worldly politics from his spiritual kingdom altogether. He asked them, whose image is on the coin? And of course, he said, everyone has to answer. It's, it's Caesar's image. And he says, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. And they were utterly amazed at him. So essentially, Jesus says, give to the world what belongs to the world, but give to me what belongs to me. Because we are created in the image of God in a spiritual sense. But read what Paul writes to the Romans in Romans chapter 13, verse 1 through 7. Let everyone submit to the governing authorities, since there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will be will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. You want to be unafraid of the one in authority? Do what is good, and you will have its approval. For it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason, for it is God's servant, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. And for this reason, you pay taxes, since the authorities are God's servants, continually attending to the tasks. Pay your obligations to everyone, taxes to who you owe taxes, tolls to who you owe tolls, respect to who you owe respect, and honor to those you owe honor. And so we come to this point, I believe, where we get so caught up in the worldly idea of politics that we forget God's design for government. And I think both of you have represented or presented uh, God's design for government to first and foremost fall under God's command. Now, there is something that happens if a government rebels against God's command starts uh, promoting wickedness and unrighteousness, we see in history that those governments are the ones that end up falling, sometimes very fastly. And when the government does fall under the command of God, those are the nations that typically will flourish. But again, we go back to that thing concerning the taxes that Jesus was talking about. We can complain so much about all of these different things going on in, in the world, in Washington, in politics, that we forget that we weren't created for a political party. We weren't created to be a Republican or a Democrat or any of the other parties that are present in the world today. 
we were created in the image of God. And when you read the book of Colossians, it says that all things were created through Christ. They were created for Christ and they are sustained by Christ. And so our ultimate goal, first and foremost, as Christians, is to serve God, to listen to God, give ourselves to him. But when we give ourselves to him, his righteousness is going to pour out of us. We are going to walk in his footsteps. And when we do that, it's going to clash against the world. So again, I come, this is just a long way of saying what I said at the very beginning. I'm against endorsing, I'm against promoting certain political platforms or personnel, but I'm not against preaching against unrighteousness uh, and the evils of the world. So I will always preach following God's word. And in that respect, there will always be friction when political policies contradict the word of God. So we're going to switch it up now. I'm going to ask the next question. I'm going to let Brother Brandon speak first because, of course, Brother Rob seems to always take all of uh, everything we're going to say anyway. So, So we'll switch it up this time. So, Brother Brandon, back to you. Is there a safe way to mix politics and religion? Sure, and you'll find most of the time that those two things are already mixed. Um, When I mentioned that we ought to be guided by Scripture to inform our politics, that's pretty much what I was implying, Mm -hmm. is that, you know, we have to be careful. We don't want to allow our politics to be guided by anything else. Uh, We want to be guided by the moral law of Scripture that Robbie mentioned. Uh, unfortunately, um, we have uh, seen some of somewhat of a departure from that and, and a lot of misinformed politics, but we can certainly do that. Uh, it's sort of required for us to be faithful believers and make sure that our government is fulfilling their God-ordained responsibility. All right. So, Brother Rob, are you ready for that same question? Absolutely. Is so, there a safe way to mix politics and religion? Absolutely. And, and we have to be careful uh, with um, with what we mean by religion. So religion is often man's attempt to reach God or to please God. Uh, what Christianity is, the it, it flips that on its head and God reached down to us uh, mm-hmm. through Jesus. Uh, and so because of that, we are accepted as sons and daughters of the king, uh, not based on the good things that we do. Uh, we're not uh, we're we're not cast down after we've become children or cast out because of the bad things we do. We do, but instead, as as the father looks at us, he sees the son in our stead, and so we have to understand that our religion is a relationship with Jesus, uh, and, and in that relationship, we ought to be faithful because of his great love for us. Uh, Just as I want to be faithful to my wife because she loves me and I love her, I want to be faithful to Jesus, uh, my spiritual husband, because he is good and faithful to me. Uh, And so I have to um, do everything that I do for the glory of God. Um, And one of my duties as an American citizen uh, is to vote, is to hold our leaders accountable 
by voting the bad ones out and, and voting the good ones in. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem problem that, that so many of us uh, see, especially here recently, is that, you know, often we're voting for the the, the least of the, the two evils rather than the, the best of the two goods. Um, but nonetheless, um, for example, this is this is my mixture. Um, and there's probably Christian brothers that disagree with me, and that's okay because this is my opinion. Um, I cannot consciously vote for any person that is for abortion. I believe that abortion uh, is one of the most vile and wicked of the sins uh, that we can commit. For the reason is, is because um, children, especially unborn babies, um, are the most vulnerable among our species. Um, they can't protect themselves. They can't. Uh, they can't feed themselves. They rely completely upon their mother. Um, and so they are the most vulnerable. And so to take that life is to take the most vulnerable life. Uh, and 90% of the time it's for convenience. It's for the God of, of self and, and convenience. Um, and uh, we know through scripture that, that God is the one that forms and knits the babies together. Um, and that, that he is the creator of all things and that, um, that he loves them. He he cares for them deeply, uh, and, and so to kill um, is bad enough. To to murder is bad enough, uh, but when it's the most vulnerable and it's simply for the sake of self, um, it, it is um, it, it is awful. And and I do want to take a, a side note for a second, and I first want to say that if if you're listening and you have been a part of an abortion, you have uh, had an abortion or you're in a relationship with somebody with um, with somebody who um, has had an abortion, then I want you to know that there is grace. We serve a good, a just, and a loving God who is faithful to forgive every sin that we uh, that we come to him with and, and we uh, confess with our mouth. And so uh, this is no means a, a condemnation of you uh, because we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. But I cannot vote for somebody um, who uh, is for the murder of innocent children. Uh, and so uh, how do I mix um, religion and politics? Um, I stand on on the word of God, in the truth of God, in the morality of God, um, and, and we just live faithfully. Um, I, I remember, you know, when I was little, uh, the common saying was, "We don't talk about uh, religion or politics." Uh, well, today with Facebook, everybody talks about uh, religion and politics <laughs> all the time, uh, and so I, I would love to get back to a place where. Um, Let's just love people and mm-hmm. and and live our lives together. Uh, I disagree uh, with uh, with Christian on on a few things. I, I disagree with Brother Uh-oh. Brandon on, on a few things. Uh, but guess what? Uh, we're friends. Uh, we Amen. can come together and, and we can agree to disagree and focus on what we agree with. Um, and now there are some lines in the sands that I will not cross. Uh, however, 
we have to do everything we can to, to live peaceful, uh, as God's word tells us to, and, um, and to love. And I think if, if we can do that, uh, we can mix religion and politics in a Amen. safe way. Yeah. And I, I think in talking about finding a safe way to mix politics and religion, there is uh first, like what you said, brother Rob, when we understand religion, what, what does that mean? And a lot of times you'll hear this. Uh, I'm not a religious person. I'm a relationship person. Uh, or if you're reading along with us in the book of James, you'll hear us talk soon about what is pure and undefiled religion. What does it mean right. to have a true relationship with Christ? Right. But when it comes to politics and religion, uh, there, there's a pretty clear separation between this worldly kingdom and the spiritual kingdom of Christ. Yeah. But it's also in this worldly kingdom that we're having the biggest spiritual battle of all time. Uh, but just read this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 6. He says, whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. And so like oil and water, these things don't really mix. Now, I'm not saying there's no way to safely do these things, but what happens no matter how hard we try to do this without there being some type of conflict or friction involved, uh, there's always going to be a point that we understand they won't actually mix. And so in a sense, it's, there's no safe way to mix it, but they're going to mix no matter what, somehow, some way God's word, when we stand in its truth will contradict worldly politics. And so there's, there's this present battle that's, that's presented there. We see that Paul writes to the Galatians in Galatians chapter five, verse 17, for the flesh desires what is against the spirit and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you do not do what you want. And so there's always going to be this battle. And I think the safest way to mix politics and religion, politics and faith, whichever way you want to say that, is to stand boldly in the word of God. Put your opinions aside. We have a lot of opinions. We have a lot of traditions. And look to the word of God, because if there is a political stance that is not based in scripture or contradicts scripture, we as Christians have an obligation to rebel against that. And maybe that might not necessarily be the greatest word. We're not supposed to necessarily be rebels, but we're supposed to turn away from that. We're supposed to push away uh, from anything of this world. Uh, and, and so there's going to be friction no matter what precaution you take, but the safest way to mix politics and religion is to simply as a Christian be obedient to the word of God, even when the world comes against us. So the next question, I think this is a fairly simple question, but I want us to answer this individually. Uh, so that way we can show people where we stand really in this conversation. But brother Rob, we'll start with you. Is there a Christian political party? 
Okay, I'll answer this in two parts. First part is the quick part. Uh, the answer is no. Uh, now the long part, and it's not going to be super long, but I, I'm looking at a comparison right now between our two parties. And so, uh, for example, these are some comparisons of the, the platforms on key issues. So there's uh, the human life issue. Now, uh, this is one that I think is mixed. So what, what I mean by that is on the right, you have uh, the right to life, uh, which is absolutely vital. I've already touched on that. Uh, but what happens is oftentimes on the right, you you are encouraged and you encourage people to have the children, but then too often uh, you're not supporting that child once it's born uh, or um, you're, you're not legislating things to support that uh, child. And um, uh, but then uh, on the left, uh, you, you think of ways to support the child that is born, but you encourage women to. Uh, to have the right, they have the right over their bodies, even though the child within them has their own unique DNA, making them an individual person. Uh, and so are either ones perfect uh, under that one? No, not not completely. Uh, and that's not saying that one's not better than the other, but that's not for me to say. Uh, that's not the purpose of this. I'm, I'm going through and showing you that neither one is perfect. And so... Um, then you look at, at judges, and I won't read the two statements, but both of them are wanting to appoint judges that agree with their platform. Uh, and so what is the judge supposed to do? It's supposed to interpret the law and give verdicts based on the law that's already been given. Uh, we think today uh, that the um, <laughs> that the judicial branch is the lawmaking branch, uh, and that's just not so, and it was never intended to be. That's the legislator, uh, yet our judicial branch is the one that's, that's attempting to make the laws, and, um, and, and to, <laughs> uh, but they're supposed to be the ones that adhere to them. But anyways, um, so both of these are, are flawed. Um, then uh, there's sex education. Now, this one is, is one that worries me. I, I want to read directly from one of the parties, and when I read it, you'll know which one, but I'm not going to bring up names. Um, this one says, we recognize that quality, affordable, uh, comprehensive health care, um, medically accurate, LGBTQ plus inclusive, age appropriate sex education, and the full range of family planning services are essential uh, to ensuring that all people can decide if, when, and how to start a family. Uh, and so, once again, we see what what is the priority here? Uh, that pr the priority is is sin, right? Uh, but then you go to um, you go to things like immigration and a nation of immigrants um, of of people who have uh, we're we're called the melting pot, right? That, that, mm -hmm. We are the one that uh, there are people from every nation here, and, and that makes us uh, makes us great. Uh, yet there's one party that tends to uh, be against immigration. Now, listen, there needs to be a legal and a right way to do it, and, and that has that is absolutely vital. You can't have anybody coming in uh, because if you have no borders, you have no country. However. Um, there's the stereotype of the um, 
of the of the immigrant on one side, and that's not right. And so basically, just going through a couple issues, we see that nobody's perfect. That that neither one of the pilot uh, the parties. Uh, is perfect. And so the simple answer is no. Uh, The long answer is no with more detail. (laughs) And what I always tell people too concerning that, uh, when you ask someone, uh, specifically a Christian, concerning their political stances and why they vote a certain way or have a dialogue with them about that, one of the things that many of them will always bring up is that they will never vote for someone that supports abortion. And what does it really mean to support abortion? Uh, is supporting abortion just saying, hey, I support abortion and I want to have our taxes fund abortions and make abortions uh, accessible uh, widely to even children uh, that are going through uh, pregnancies, uh, young teenagers going through pregnancies. I, I don't think that's the only way you can support abortion. I think the failure to stand strongly against abortion and eradicate abortion when you have the opportunity to do so is also in itself a support for abortion, which would mean our two larger political parties, technically both would support abortion. One openly claims that it's a necessity. The other has had every opportunity to eradicate it. Mm and has had the majority of power during a lot of the uh, discussions concerning it, yet here we are still today uh, fighting over abortion and voting for uh, a certain party based on that when some parties uh, openly say we support it and some parties use it as a playing chip to get votes. So a lot of people get mad when I do talk about that. Um, But again, that's where I go to the point. No, there is no such thing as a Christian political party. I think very simply, we come to this understanding of what Paul writes to the Church of Philippi. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Uh, So my worry isn't about the power of a political party in this world. My focus is on the spiritual kingdom that's coming in the full glory of Christ that I am a citizen of. That is the citizenship that most concerns me as a Christian overall. So, Brother Brandon, what do you think? Is there a Christian political party? So I don't have too much to add. Uh, both you brethren pretty well covered every base, but uh, I agree with you. I'll just second what has already been said, that the simple answer is no, simply because, as Christian just pointed out, we are citizens of a better country. That's right. One not built with hands. Mm-hmm. Peter sure. says we are sojourners and exiles. We are just passing through this old wicked world. So if there, if we ever do find ourselves completely at home in any political party, then something is definitely wrong. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. we don't belong to this world, and thus we don't belong to the world's political systems either. Now, the other side of it is, the other answer is, we kind of just have to work with what we've got. That's right. 
There is no party that is perfect because all political parties consist of politicians who are sinners just like the rest of us. That's right. But we have to do what we can to be a beacon of light as Christian citizens. Right. So we have to, again, vote in accordance with Scripture, support policies and laws that come from Scripture. But again, I just want to mention that that we have to be careful in becoming too politically involved and putting too much emphasis on politics and, again, identifying with a certain political party because not only do we have to remember we're not citizens of this world, but that is also not following the example of Jesus faithfully. Right. Mm-hmm. You will recall from the Gospels that there were many religious political parties of his day and he didn't identify with any of them. Mm-hmm. There were zealots who espoused revolution, thought that the Jews should take up their weapons and overthrow the government uh, of the Romans. There were the Sadducees who did not only not believe in the resurrection, but they promoted compromise with the Romans, thought they needed to shake hands with them and compromise on truth to get their way. You have the Pharisees who were more or less a religious party who taught strict cultural and religious separation. You've got the Essenes who didn't want anything to do with politics. The Essenes who were in the caves of Qumran. And Jesus was not a political revolutionary. He was not one who shook hands with the Romans. He did not agree with the Pharisees on their strict religious separation. And he didn't isolate himself from all society like the Essenes. What he did do is the will of the Father. That's what all of us should do in determining our politics and in voting. We should follow the Lord's will. That's right. Yeah, that's, I think that's a great way to uh, conclude that overall, that question. And when it comes down to it, if Christians had as much enthusiasm for sharing the gospel than politics, I think our political dilemma would be a lot different today. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's, so the last question, right, is what should be the way forward from here? Mm -hmm. The way forward from here is preach the gospel. Right. I mean, how are we going to get people to... Uh, stand up for the word of God to stand up for his morality by having his law written on their hearts. And that's only done by the Holy Spirit of the living God um, that, that's imparted to us in salvation. And, and so uh, preach the gospel. That's the way forward. Amen. Right. Yeah, I agree. Preach the gospel. Pray. Absolutely. <laughs> Vote Absolutely. as the spirit would lead you to stand on the solid ground of Christ and not the unstable ground of any worldly political platform. Amen. Well, that's all the time that we have today. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining us. Uh, We want to encourage you to keep on uh, following the Faith 168 podcast. Uh, Share that podcast with your friends and family. If there's someone that you think needs to uh, 
uh, hear the gospel or hear some of these ideas that we're going to speak about, just go ahead and share this with them. And if you have any questions as our listeners, we encourage you to get a hold of us. Go to our Facebook page. It's Faith 168 Podcast. You will see uh, the same symbol for our profile picture as is on uh, any of the media platforms that this podcast is airing over. And please feel free to send us any of your questions that you might want to hear answered as we go through this Faith 168 podcast. But thank you so much for being with us tonight. May God bless you and keep you. We love you. And Brother Brandon, as our guest tonight, will you dismiss us in prayer? Sure. We come to you, Father, thanking you for your sovereignty and your government of the affairs of the universe. Yes. We entrust ourselves to you, Lord. We know we cannot place our faith and trust in any human government. But we do pray that as we try to live faithfully as Christian citizens, that you would guide us. Give us discernment and wisdom and give us resolve and courage to always stand upon the truths of your word. Pray, Lord, you'd bless every listener to this podcast and help us, Lord, to move forward to your glory. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Every week has its trials and tribulations. And we want to encourage you to seek Christ during those times. We want to pray for you during those times. So look us up on Facebook by typing in Faith 168 Podcast and send us a message. It can be a prayer request or maybe you want us to answer a question that you've been contemplating. Just send us a message. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we will see you again in 168 hours.